Welcome to the Axiom Youth Podcast. This lesson will be a continuation of our series on 1 Corinthians. It's entitled Marriage and Divorce and is taught by Brother Thomas Valerie. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy. We're going to be talking about this topic that I will tell you in just a second. Because of what is said in 1 Corinthians, like Brother Jared said, our last word before world. You're already yawning? My goodness. Because what was being taught? Okay, anyways. I could do that. You want me to do that the whole time? Wake y'all up. Okay, but what was being taught, is that better? In 1 Corinthians, okay? And that is the topic of marriage and divorce. So it's going to be very interesting today. Hopefully, I don't, like, this won't be a train wreck this morning, so. You don't remember that in 1 Corinthians? It's in there, I promise. I I read it a little bit. Well, you know. We'd have something to say about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. But before we get started on First uh, Corinthians, I want to go to uh, the beginning to kind of set a foundation for what I want to talk about in First Corinthians. Uh, so I want to go to the beginning, uh, Genesis. Genesis, the beginning, chapter 2, verse 18. Anybody want to read that for me? Anybody? Anybody? How about, okay, okay, you got it? You got it? It'll be on the screen. Here, you can read it. Okay. Okay. Uh, And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. True. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to, the, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. What was that last part? Uh, there was not. Okay. There was not found any help. Help me. Okay. Keep going. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. He was a doctor. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is not bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay. Thank you, Brother Caleb. 
You did a great job. Um, I wanted the in, that entire passage right there. Um, let's see. In verse number 23, it says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. See, when God created man and woman, he automatically created the institution right, of marriage. Okay, There was one man, one woman, and that's how God created it. God created it, and God ordained it. And as we can read in the, the first chapter of Genesis, that everything that God had created, he called good. So we can assume that marriage is good. Will you agree with me? If God created it, it's good. Now, some people can use that in the wrong context, like with, uh, you know, God created it, so it must be good for me, you know. You get it. Um, when it comes to uh, drugs. So, anyways. Uh, so, I just want to make the point that God created marriage, okay? That's the, the foundational block right there. Okay? So, I want to go to the other side. And talk about divorce. God did not create divorce. Man created divorce. Okay? In Mark chapter 10, verses 2 through 9, I don't know if Hannah got this or not, but it says, And the Pharisees came to him, him being Jesus, and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife or to divorce her? And they were trying to tempt him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? What, what law did Moses write? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. So the law says that you wanted to get a divorce you had to write out a bill of divorcement you had to get divorce papers and that was in the law it was legal okay and uh, Jesus answered and said unto them for the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept but from the beginning of creation God made them male and female for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. What was found in Genesis. He's quoting Genesis right there. Uh, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain or two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Don't let man tear it apart. So Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart, meaning men were so adamant about divorce and, and getting rid of their wife because she did something that annoyed him. I'm talking to the men right now, but it could 
relate to ladies also. Ladies also have uh, capability of desiring a divorce in a marriage, okay? This isn't just talking about men. Ladies are also capable of this. But it says, because you push the issue so hard, Moses wrote this law. Just like when Israel wanted a king so bad, and God said, no, I'm your king. But no, Israel wanted to be like the rest of the people in the world. So guess what? They ordained a king. Okay? And how'd that work out for them? There's a good king, evil king. Good king, evil king. And uh, in the end, Jesus became king of all. So, it didn't work out too well for them. And neither does divorce. Um, so, don't be deceived into thinking that just because you can biblically divorce someone, that God will bless it and be okay with it. I'm going to show you in just a second uh, what God thinks about that. And just like Sister Hannah said last Sunday, just because it might be lawful for you doesn't, all, doesn't mean that it's expedient or good for you. Okay, it's just because it's in the Bible that you can legally do it doesn't mean that it's good for you. Okay, so Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 through 16 it says, and did not he make one, meaning talking about marriage, yet he had the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore one, why did he make one? That he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Saying, God put marriage in place so that he could have a continuation of godly people so marriage is supposed to be a godly thing so that later on we'll have godly people to continue that to continue godly things so we'll continue for the lord the god of israel saith that he hateth putting away. Now, that is very, very strong language. Um, he hateth putting away. He hates divorce. Uh, for one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll translate that last part with as there's violence in putting away or divorcing. You can't cleanly separate. There's a ripping, there's a tearing, there's a violence. Because like the Bible says, you become one flesh. You're together. You've made a covenant. You are no longer two individuals. You are married so when you pull apart, it's going to rip. There's things that are going to tear apart. And if you have children, if you have possessions, if you have ministries, it's going to tear. It's not going to be whole anymore. Trust me, 
I know. So, well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians. Now that we know what God thinks about marriage and what he thinks about divorce. And let me, let me go on to say before we go that, to, to that scripture that if you ever find yourself in a situation like that, that there is forgiveness, okay? I'm not trying to be harsh, but I'm just saying what the word of the Lord says. I want to I tell you the truth. There is forgiveness. There is hope. There is a way, but you've got to let the Lord work on you, okay? So, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 3, it says... Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, or you can translate that into kind acts. So you, you need to treat your wife, husband, future husbands, with kindness. Treat them with respect. Okay, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wives don't get away with that either. Uh, you need to treat your future husband with respect and honor and kindness okay the wife the wife hath not power over her own body but the husband and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body but the wife so you're not you are not separate anymore you're not individuals anymore brother Caleb if you want to go and take a trip across if you're married we're, you're not married, hopefully, right? You're, you're, okay. But when you get married, okay, you can't go by yourself, not tell your wife, and just head off to California, okay, and not tell her anything. Because she's going to think you ran off on her and that and you, you left her and you're not ever coming back. Now she's going to be worried about you. Now, Now, when you get older, when you turn 18 and you... Uh, start doing your own things, and you're not married, go to California. You don't, I mean, you could do whatever you want to, right? So you're an individual when you're not married, but when you're married, you have another person to worry about. So that's what that scripture is talking about, okay? Where am I at here? Okay. That is not where I'm at. There I am. Okay. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Okay. So, don't leave your wife, Brother Caleb, future wife, alone for a long time without being around her. See, relationships work like this. You need to have time with each other in order to build a relationship with each other. So that's what that's talking about. So you can, you can devote yourself to prayer and fasting for a little while, but you need to spend time with your spouse. Because you're not, 
your own person anymore. That's what I'm trying to say through this this passage right here. That's what this passage is trying to say. Once you get married, young people, and I know that none of you are thinking, well, maybe some of you are thinking about marriage right now. But I got to thinking last night, there's two or three years, and you'll be 18 years old, right? And then you'll start thinking about who am I going to marry. Uh, I'm going to be marrying somebody pretty soon, I imagine, so I need to start thinking about that. So you need to know what the Bible says about marriage before you get there. Okay? Because you want a biblical marriage. You want a godly marriage. And I'm just trying to help you today. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 6 through 9. Okay? This is Paul speaking. Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. He's saying, This is my opinion and not a commandment necessarily from the Lord. But it is in the Bible, so we're going to take it as the word of God. For I would that all men were even as myself, being Paul was unmarried, okay? But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So he's saying, it's not a bad thing to be single. No matter what the world tells you, it's not a bad thing to remain single until the Lord provides you someone to marry. Okay, We've got to put our entire dependence on that huge, weighty decision on God. Because if you rely on your own logic, sometimes, most of the time, it will deceive you. Okay? Just because, young men, just because a lady is good looking doesn't mean that you need to marry her. What's her character? Does she worship? Is she a godly lady? Young ladies, just because his hair might just be parted in the right way or... He'll lose it one day, <laughs> or he'll turn gray. He'll either turn gray or turn loose one day. And, uh, and so that's not always going to be... He might say the right things at the right times to make you just, oh, wow, I, I really like him. He's, he's a, uh, some guy right there. I don't know. I'm not a lady. I don't know how you act. So, um, But just because he, he does all that doesn't mean you should marry him, Okay. Um, what is his character? Does he go to the altar? Does he seek for uh, God's will for his life? Because guess what? He's going to be your leader. He's going to be your spiritual authority in the house. And so you want somebody that's going to the altar and seeking after God's will. Because if you don't have, if he doesn't do that, you're going to be like Israel in the wilderness and go in circles so just take that into consideration Um, but it's not a bad thing to remain unmarried until 
the Lord gives you someone to marry. And when, when he does, you will know it. Okay? Okay. Uh, I'm going to skip verses 10 and 11 for now, and I'm going to come back to it. But I'm going to go to verse uh, 12 through 16. This is talking about if a person winds up in a marriage that one person believes or one person goes to church and one person does not. God forbid that ever happens to you, but there's, there is a uh, passage in the Bible that will explain it to you what to do. Okay, it says, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Oh, sorry. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Okay? This is how much the Lord doesn't like separation. Where even if you find yourself in a marriage where one party believes and the other party doesn't, he still doesn't want you to separate. Because it's a, it, it's a covenant. It's a binding contract. Okay? So, um, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. So that is to say that if both of you are unbelieving, your family is completely without any kind of protection spiritually. Okay? But at least if one of you, if one party believes, you have some prayer going on in that house. You have some spiritual protection, some spiritual authority. And it goes on to say, who knows whether or not God will bring that unbelieving spouse to the Lord. If you, I've, I've seen it time and time again where, where two, uh, a couple goes to church, one receives the Holy Ghost, one doesn't believe, and, and that believing spouse prays and prays and seeks the Lord. Lord, it's usually the lady that gets the Holy Ghost first, usually. And she's like, Lord, I want my husband to be saved. I want him to have the Holy Ghost, Lord. And she keeps praying and praying. And the, the, the Bible says that he's able to turn a heart of stone into flesh, something that's, that can't be reached into something that's reachable. So, God forbid, I hope this never happens to you, because it can be ugly situations sometimes where you have a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. But if you find yourself in that situation, don't give up. Keep Keep doing what you know to do. Who knows what the Lord will do. Okay. Um, now I want to go to verses 10 through 11. This is talking about divorce. 
Okay. First uh, Corinthians seven ten through eleven, and unto the married I command ye not, uh, I command ye not I, but the Lord. This is a direct commandment from the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. So this passage is a clear disapproval of divorce. So in fact, Paul said that it was a commandment from the Lord. Um, but there is an ultimatum for those who find themselves in divorce, and that is to remain unmarried or to be reconciled according to the scripture. So I'm going to leave that there. So, right now I want to talk to you about the weightiness of the decision that you have to make. Young men, I want to talk to you. I know you are kind of outnumbered today, but that means that I can speak directly to you because I know every single one of you. And uh, I want to tell you, every one of you have a ministry Every one of you has a, a call of God on your life. Some are called to preach. Some are called to do other things in, in the church. Your ministry is vital. And when you get married, you share your ministry with your wife. So, before you get married, you need to figure out what kind of woman she is. Is she going to be supporting of the ministry that you're called to? If not, you have a problem. Because while you're dating, if she's trying to tear apart your ministry, if you get married, it's going to be worse because she has some say-so about your ministry. She can, she can persuade you to go a completely different way than what God's calling you to go to. Okay? And if you're a preacher, you just need to be careful. I'm just going to tell you. You need to be careful. People are looking at you. People, uh, whether you want to realize it or not, they're judging you. So you need to be careful. And I, I heard a preacher say that your wife is your banner. People look at your wife. What kind of lady is she? Is, does she represent him well? If she's dressed immodestly on the platform, what does that say about you? If she's talking and gossiping about other people or people in the church, what does that say about you? You might be do, not be doing that things. You might be dressing modestly and trying to live holy, but she represents you. So you need to be careful. Okay? Ladies, you need to be careful who you marry. Your husband is your spiritual leader. It's not a an emotional decision. I'll say it like that. Don't go strictly by your feelings. Of course, you need to have that feeling of love towards your husband, but you don't need to put the entire weight of your decision on your emotions, okay? He may make you, uh, he, he may make you happy. He may make you laugh, but... What does he represent? 
Do you see that he's living for the Lord with all of his heart? Do you see that he is trying to, to do what the Lord wants him to do? And like I said before, he's going to be your spiritual leader. According to the Bible, you're to submit to him as he submits to the Lord. That's the chain of command. It's, it's not a degrading role, I promise you. The role of a wife is not degrading by any means. But if the man makes it a, a degrading role, you have a problem. And you need to figure that out while you're dating or even before you're dating. You can, you can tell somebody somebody's character and somebody's attitude very quickly, if you, especially if you pray about it or you listen to the people that's trying to help you called the church. If you have men coming up to you and saying, I don't know about that guy, you should probably take that in con- into consideration. You know, they're trying to help you. They see some things that you might not can see. If your pastor or your youth pastor comes up to you and say, I, I don't know if you should be in that relationship, you probably need to consider what he says. Or, or your youth pastor's wife or your pastor's wife, they have authority in your life as well, and they can see some things. Because let me tell you, um, as ministers, your pastor and your youth pastor and their wives, they have seen many, 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 many situations. They have, they have gone through uh, bad marriages and divorces, things like that, and they have seen it all. And they want to keep you from making bad decisions that will ruin your life. It will ruin your life, okay? This is very, very, very important, okay? But God can help you, okay? I want to bring it back up a little bit. This is really heavy right now. I'm going to bring it back up. See, the Lord has your best interest in mind. He doesn't want you to have a bad marriage. He doesn't, in fact, uh, I mean, he wants you to be happy in your marriage. Now, not all, every every uh, day is not going to be the same. You're probably going to have arguments and disagreements and things like that. But that that's not a that shouldn't be a a a reason to get a divorce. It shouldn't escalate to that level because you both should be compatible and mature enough to work it out, okay? The Lord's going to help you. I believe it. If you put your entire trust in the Lord, Brother Caleb, if you put your entire trust in the Lord, put all of your decisions in His hand, He's going to take care of you, okay? Now we're going to come back down. Because I want to talk about what divorce does. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to get away from a personal example, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna speak my mind right now. You know, my parents have been divorced, and it's not pretty. And I know that 
some of you in here have seen divorce before. And it's not pretty, okay? It's not something that you celebrate. It's not something that you're happy about. It's not something that you... Uh, it's not pretty. It tears people apart. It tears families apart. What could have been a godly, happy, fruitful uh, marriage in a family has been ripped to shreds because of a bad decision. That's how that's how heavy this decision is, okay? I mean, you look at Adam and Eve, okay? The first marriage That was the absolute fall of mankind when Eve took of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and gave it to her husband, and then that was sin. Sin was introduced to them. Guess what? They didn't separate. Well, if, if Brother Daniel, if you were married and... And uh, your wife caused you two to to have the, the the first sin ever in creation. Would do you think you would want to stay with her? Probably not. If she were to cause you to cause every generation after you to sin, would you want to stay? No, you probably wouldn't. But guess what? Adam and Eve, they stayed together. They had children. Those children went on, and they produced godly seed. And there was, yeah. So what I'm trying to get to today can we just pray for a second? I, I know I'm 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 struggling really hard right now because I feel this heaviness in my heart just even talking about this. So can we pray? I want you please help me pray. Everybody, please. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Lord, we want you to have your way today, Jesus. Lord, help me, God, to say what you want me to say, Lord, without restriction, without holding back, Lord. These young people need to hear something from you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, today, God. Lord, open our hearts, Lord, and our minds and our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us, Jesus. Jesus. I honor my parents. They raised me. I'm here today. But it hasn't always been sunshine and roses and beautiful things, okay? My life has been torn apart. I have a huge hole in my life because I can't say that my parents live in the same house, that they love each other. Of course, they love each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, 
Everything's been reconciled with the Lord, but not with each other. I love my parents to death, but I don't want that for you, young people. I don't want you to have to go through that. You might have had parents that have had to go through that, or have had a parent that has never been married and You know, I want you to have a good marriage. And this is, is, this is not to be taken lightly. Okay? Please, trust me. You want a good marriage. Bro, Caleb, God has somebody special in mind for you. Okay? Brother Daniel... Scott, everybody. I don't mean to single anybody out. Please, please, please. I'm begging you. Consider what I'm saying. Consider what I'm saying. This is and can be a heaven or hell issue. Okay? Because when divorce happens, there's a root of bitterness in there. And bitterness can eat you alive. Bitterness can cause sin. And sin can fester. And it can produce hatred. Okay? And this is why the Lord teaches these things. He, he puts this in His Word because He wants you to do the will of the Lord. I hope, I, I really hope that I didn't discourage you too much. I really hope that you will take it into consideration. I really hope that you'll read the word. First Corinthians is an, a phenomenal book. It's hard to understand sometimes, but read it again. Read what we went over today. I want you to, to study it out yourself. I don't want you to just take my word for it. God has something great in store for you. Brother Jerry. Yeah, Thomas. Um, I want to say thank you for that lesson. That was very good. Um, I know it's, it is a very difficult topic to talk about, and Brother Thomas volunteered because it is close to his heart. He chose to teach that lesson because uh, he, he knows. And so I want you to listen to him as one that speaks with some experience and uh, of just being around it. And what things that God hates are sinful things. God hates sin because he hates what it does to a life. And God, that's why there's laws, that's why there's protections, is to keep us from things that harm us. Divorce is a sinful issue. There is a sinfulness about it. It harms people just the way sin does. And I appreciate what Brother Thomas said, that there is forgiveness because sometimes you can feel like that there is no hope. But there's always hope. There's always forgiveness. But where there needs to be forgiveness, there has to be sin or else there wouldn't need to be forgiveness. And so what 
and I, I, me and Sister Nikki were talking about this the other day, there is a fine balance between preaching hard against sin and preaching God's mercy. Be, and you have to strike the balance because you don't want people to feel like they can never live for God and never be saved. But you also don't want to make so light of sin and wink at it and that people think that it doesn't matter. It matters. I hear people talking all the time and about divorce, and they said that the reason why they got a divorce is because they weren't compatible. No, the reason why you got a divorce is because you broke a vow and you made a decision that led to another decision that led to another decision, and you sinned against God. That's the reason you got a divorce. Is somebody sinned against God. Not all the time is it two people. Sometimes it's just one of the persons in the marriage that sins and that causes the divorce. Sometimes that's the case. But you know what? That innocent person is still destroyed by it. It's still not where you want to be. Brother Thomas said that you will give your ministry. You will give your ministry to that person. I sat across the table from my grandfather whose wife the, my grandmother walked out on the family to live with another man. She committed sin. But you know what? My grandfather sat there and he wept and he didn't blame her. He said, I had a call of God on my life and I married the prettiest girl in town without wondering whether or not she was in church. He said, I knew what God was calling me to do, and I made a bad decision at the beginning as a young person. And he said, that costs me my ministry. He said, I had a call to preach on my life. He said, so now I'm going to do everything I can, everything the Lord will allow me to do for the kingdom to answer that call. And he said, you know what, I, I can fix things. I can repair. He said, he said, I can fix toilets. And he said, that's what I do for the kingdom of God because that's what I can do because of the stigma of divorce. And it wasn't even his fault necessarily, but he takes the blame for choosing wrong as a young person, for not submitting to God as a young person and protecting that ministry. And there's healing and there's help and he lives a very blessed life. And God gave him a wonderful lady that I call my grandmother. And she, just a wonderful lady. And God blessed and they are used by God. But he knows what God called him to be. And he sees every day that he is just short of his destiny. It's not that he's not saved. And he, is, he blessed me and God used that to help me to reach my potential. This is an, yeah, I, I appreciated so much what Brother Thomas said. There, this, it's okay that it's a heavy lesson today because you need to understand when you're flirting with somebody and you're dating somebody, it's, that's a heavy issue because it's not like, oh, we're not compatible anymore. No, it's you committed sin because you stand at that altar and you say for better or for worse. That means for better or for worse in their attitude, for better or for worse in their health, for better or for worse in their spirit, in their mind towards me, in what they do and the annoying things that they do, I'm going to be committed. And when you break that, you have broken a covenant before God. So there is mercy, 
But I don't ever want you to think that that mercy comes easy. That it's just God just pours out a bunch of mercy and then you can just go on unscathed, untouched. No, it will follow you to your grave. To your grave. And in the resurrection, all will be healed. In the new life, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, all will be healed. But it will never, listen to me, I don't use that word lightly, it will never be healed in this life. Never. My parents, my, my dad and his sisters, Sister Kilman, you know Sister Kilman. They, went, they lived through divorce and today it affects them. It, it, they are grown people. Their parents are old, and it, and it still affects them. It still hurts their heart. It still, it goes with them to the grave. Never will it be healed in this life. We don't, and that's why we don't have hope in this life only. We're, we're, we're living for the next life. But I'm telling you, if you can live without divorce, touching your family, that's a better way to live. That's why God hates divorce, not because he's angry. I'm, I'm people that never have known God are touched by divorce and it destroys their life. So it's not like God curses divorced people. It's that divorced people curse themselves. That's why God hates it from his heart I wanted you to listen I wanted you to catch that today it's okay that it's heavy we have a good time we have fun but it's okay that we get some sobriety in our life to say you know what I, I better be careful when I'm dating I better be careful when I'm flirting I better be careful when I'm texting I better be careful because I don't want to get connected to this person Right, because equal to that teaching is that fornication is wrong. So you can't say, well, I'll avoid that and I'll just, you know, live together unmarried. No, because that one flesh that Brother Thomas was talking about is talking about intimacy. So if you join yourself to someone that you're not married to, you're, you're joining as if you are married but without the covenant. And it will destroy your life just like divorce will. So I don't want you to think that that's the answer because the world tells you, oh, just wait till you're 45 to get married and all that. And that that'll, you know, that doesn't help. That doesn't help because you've already if you've already lived as if you were married, you still have to go through that pulling apart and that ripping and that tearing and that. And you think that's going to help you in a marriage later on when you're coming in as a tattered, broken person. So there is an answer. And the, the beautiful thing is. Is that you've got so much of your life ahead of you. And God has so much mercy and so much grace that he would allow you to be here to hear this lesson today. You understand how much God loves you. He's reaching for you. And you've got so much life to live. Some people never hear this until they're 50, 60 years old. And here you are, 14, 15, 16. And God's saying, here's the way of life. Walk in it. That's a, what a blessing that is. What a mercy that is. What grace that is that God would let you hear this today. That God would let you hear from somebody else's pain to bless you so that it doesn't have to touch your life. 
so that it doesn't have to touch your children's lives. God can heal that today before it ever happens. Isn't that great news? Let's pray. I want you to bow your head. God, I love you. Thank you for this lesson that was delivered with heart. Thank you for your word, God, that was written in our hearts and written and preserved throughout history so that we could know the way of life. Because, God, even if we didn't know your law, we would still be affected by the, by the, the ravages and the pains and the hurts of sin. But, God, because we know your law, because we know your word, because we have your spirit, because we are led by your spirit, God, we can walk in the newness of life. And, Lord, I pray for students out there that are affected by these issues. God, maybe even in their own life or their parents' life or just in their family somewhere, they are affected by this or you know the future. And maybe there are young people that would make the wrong decision that this word of God can come in and make the difference in their life and help them to be prayerful about who they marry, about who they decide to covenant with in this life. I pray, I believe, God, that this moment is touching eternity. And it's going to help some young person fulfill their destiny, God. And I pray that mercy and that grace would just begin to flood out in this place. And that you would bring healing, God. And that you would bring a peace, Lord, into lives, God, that feel like there's no hope. And God, I pray that that young person that is doubting whether or not you are going to come through for them. I pray that they would feel the witness of the Holy Ghost that you're going to touch and that you're going to provide their every need and God that if they will trust you you will provide a spouse for them not just a person, not just somebody to be there but somebody to partner with them to accomplish your will on this earth and God I pray Lord that you would bless every one of them in the name of Jesus we give you glory and we give you honor.